Ask Sherwin-Williams and get 30% off Duration and Super Deck products May 17th through the 20th. That means 30% off our most popular color family, blue. Psychologists have found it to be soothing and relaxing, which makes it especially great for bedrooms and bathrooms. And of course, get 30% off all of our other colors. Shop the sale online or visit your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams store. Click the banner to learn more. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador. I'm Melissa Murray. I'm John Lovett. I'm Tommy Vizor. Uh, Dan Pfeiffer is almost recovered from COVID, but couldn't quite make it. But we are so lucky to have Melissa here. Uh, Melissa is also Melissa is the co-host of Strict Scrutiny, which is the best legal podcast in America. Uh, now part of the Crooked family, so thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. Shout out to my co-host, Kate Shaw, who's out in the Kate's audience. Here What's up, Kate? We got some strict scrutiny super fans in the front over here. There we go. Got some, right got, some, got some strict heads. <laughs> uh, also joining us here tonight, your Attorney General, Letitia James. There we go. Um, all right, let's get to the news. Uh, I know there are a lot of depressing headlines out there right now, but um, we wanted to brighten up your night uh, by starting with the very detailed and public plot to steal the next election. Uh, so a real treat for Thursday night. Um, on Wednesday, Politico obtained video of Republican operatives in Michigan plotting election day chaos with a network of MAGA loyalists who fall into four different groups. Poll workers who are trained to contest votes in heavily Democratic precincts. Lawyers who the poll workers can contact with fake allegations of voter fraud. Trump-friendly district attorneys who could intervene to block the precinct vote counts. And Trump loyalists on local boards of canvassers who could refuse to certify the election. Uh, the purpose of this strategy which uh, Steve Bannon has been talking about for months on uh, Tommy's favorite podcast. Sure has. <laughs> Big fan. Um, is to create enough confusion that the election then gets thrown to uh, the state legislatures, which Trump recently admitted to the New York Times that he's trying to stack with loyalists who will send slates of Trump electors to Congress, no matter which candidate wins. Um, so that's where, that's where we are right now. Very exciting. Melissa, obviously... Lawyers, uh, poll watchers, 
uh, even poll workers from each party are, are part of every election. But how much of Trump and Bannon's election day strategy here is unprecedented? And, and is all of this legal? So it, it's not unprecedented because we saw some seeds of this in the 2020 election. And, and you're exactly right. None of this is necessarily illegal. Um, you are allowed to have poll watchers. They're supposed to be there to provide a sort of neutral observation of electoral processes. But you're not supposed to use poll watchers to intimidate voters, to gin up fake claims. And you're definitely not supposed to send your Trump loyalist lawyers to the courts to file these fake claims. And you're definitely not supposed to have the election thrown by a slate of fake electors. So <laughs> That's a no-no. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, in strict scrutiny, we call this sort of vibes, not law. And you know, I, I think there's definitely sort of law-ish vibes here, but it's not really strictly legal. But they're definitely trying it. And it does sound like having the DAs uh, stopping the count and then having the boards of canvassers sort of stacked with people who are just going to refuse to certify, that doesn't seem like the best... Again, not illegal to run for office for these offices. And, you know, for a lot of years, the Republican Party has been really assiduous in putting their people in these local positions. But this is where the rubber really meets the road. When you have the Trump loyalists there, you can really do a lot of work. And they're laying the seeds, not only for the midterm elections, but also 2024. Yeah, and it seems like they're doing this as a 2022 as a test drive for 2024 with a lot of these places. Yeah, like a Tesla. Um, <laughs> like yeah, a test Tesla. driving a Tesla. Right, yeah, that's right. So this story, I want to talk about this tonight because it's, it's happening. You know, this story is about Michigan. It's happening in swing states all over the country. It sort of went, came and went yesterday kind of under the radar uh, without a ton of media coverage or, frankly, comment from a lot of Democratic officials. Um, Tommy, why do you think that is, and, and what do you think the Democratic Party should do about it, knowing, as Melissa just said, that like, none of it is technically illegal, but clearly very troubling. Yeah, I mean, it's also worth noting that they're primarily planning to do this in mostly black cities and precincts in Michigan. So it's a very deliberate effort. I mean, I, I think the problem, the challenge is Democrats are like, we got you. It's on tape. You're going to create chaos. You want to make people question the results of the election. You want to steal it again, throw it to these new electors. Like, haha, we got you. And the Republicans are basically like, fucking ain't right we are. You know, like, they, they don't care. They are open about this effort. They want to uh, use the coverage they get when people like us freak out to recruit more people to help steal the election. So that's the problem. Like the shame spiral, the, the shame, <laughs> the shame spiral, the shame cycle of like the typical scandal in Washington has been broken by the MAGA types because they just don't care about the allegation or the norms and institutions or what's right and what's wrong here. And so the other challenge is like it's kind of esoteric stuff, you know, like what's a poll watcher, what's a poll worker, what's a board of election, you know, like all of this, it's easy to get just lost in a sea of kind of bureaucracy. And that's kind of what they're counting on. Like they're counting on their people being brainwashed that the 2020 election was stolen and that they need to do something about it in taking action at this super local level. Because no one's going to pay attention because we're not going right. to talk about it. The stories aren't going to get covered. Democrats aren't going to complain about it. And so they'll just keep installing these people and then, and then they'll, they'll win. Love it. Yeah, I mean, it's the same. To Melissa's point, you know, uh, it's, it's whether it's legal or illegal, I think the point is that it's extra legal because so much of our rules, so much of our law is predicated on a certain 
assumption that yes, people are partisan and people are biased, but beneath that there's a core set of values and principles that will generally be upheld. And in the event that those are not upheld, that there is enough political pressure inside of the system to keep people, if not completely honest, prevent them from going full fash. Uh, and, <laughs> and, the, and for the point Tommy is making, the same reason, the same, the same trend that leads these people to be uh, not unresponsive to shame is the same reason they're willing to overturn our elections. They're not inside of a democracy with us. They're just not. And I think the, 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 the answer to all of this is power. We can't argue with them. You know, we can't, we can't out-shame them. We can't, we can't make enough headlines about what they're doing. We what have about to win. a New York Times op-ed? New York Times op-eds will not save us. Okay. And honestly, what? sometimes... <laughs> I mean, look, really good ones make Really good ones by hey, smart hold people. Hold on, hold on. Hey, listen. President I company do what accepted. I can. Excluded. I do what I can. Present company accepted. Uh... But no, but the, the answer is power. We have to win locally, uh, where these people will, where if we have the right people in these local offices, we don't have to worry about this. If we have a decent person running local elections, we don't need to worry about whether or not a Trump judge is gonna pull the case. We don't need to worry about what, uh, 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 you know, Gorsuch, how, what side of the bed Gorsuch woke up on. Like, we don't have to worry about that if we have people <laughs> in those jobs. We won't have to worry about this if we keep uh, uh, the House and keep the Senate because we won't have to worry about the same insurrectionists uh, who voted to overturn the election without a majority having the power to throw our election into chaos. The answer is power. It's the only answer because that's the only thing these people respond to. Yeah, and it's and that's exactly right. Clap it up for power. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's like paying attention to like you know yeah. here's one thing that everyone can do. You can go to votesaveamerica.com to sign up to be a poll worker uh, with our partner, Power the Polls. Um, 27,000 of you signed up in 2020, and they're recruiting even more poll workers ahead of the 2022 midterm elections. Look, we have to pay attention. We have to sign up for these jobs, too, whether it's uh, becoming a poll watcher, poll worker, whether it's secretary of state races, whether it's AG races. All these down-ballot races are incredibly important, even if they don't sound like the sexiest right now. Like, this is where the power gets built, as Lovett was saying. So uh, go to votesaveamerica.com, and, and while you're there, sign up for our Midterm Madness program where we'll connect you with a lot more ways to get involved and volunteer ahead of 2022. So that's super important. All right. Um, we are also now exactly one week away from the first primetime congressional hearing about January 6th, and uh, we're... Well, yeah, let's, let's applaud for that. All right. Yeah. Congressional <laughs> Prime Primetime hearings, everybody. We did it. We haven't had this kind of applause since the Mueller hearings. Yeah. Um, let's, let's hope more comes of this. Just some, just some bobblehead dolls. Um, all right, so just this week, we found out, uh, we found out a lot more about uh, the MAGA plot to steal the last election. Uh, we found out that former Trump aide Peter Navarro became the first White House staffer uh, to receive a subpoena to testify in front of a federal grand jury for his role in the attack on the Capitol. A federal judge also released a memo from this lawyer uh, to Rudy Giuliani that said he, quote, pushed a strategy, and the federal judge said this, that the memo pushed a strategy that knowingly violated the Electoral Count Act, namely, the plan was to get um, Senator Chuck Grassley, who's the uh, eldest member of the Senate and thus the most senior member of the Senate, to take over the electoral certification process from Mike Pence so that he could just throw out a bunch of Biden electors. That was one in a long list of plot. They kind of caught, tossed that aside at one point, but they had a whole list of things they were going to do. Um, Melissa, there's obviously been a lot of focus on 
the January 6th hearings themselves. But what do we know about this federal grand jury? And like, what does the Navarro subpoena suggest to you? Like, is, is DOJ looking at charging people beyond the rioters, uh, maybe Trump officials, maybe Trump himself, with potential crimes? And what are those potential crimes? So let's back up. This is like the second subpoena that Peter Navarro has had. I mean, yeah, he's collecting them now. Like, if subpoenas were spots, he'd be a cheetah, right? So he's had a lot of subpoenas. If he gets one more, he gets a free sub. <laughs> so the first subpoena is important because that came from the select committee, and he refused to comply with that, which then prompted the House to hold him in contempt and refer his contempt charges to the DOJ, which then sparked this new subpoena from the federal grand jury. So this is coming from the Department of Justice's investigation. And, you know, one of the things I think it signals is that the DOJ, which has been moving, I think, very deliberately, is a generous way to put it. I was going to say, you went with the very nice term. Yes, Glacially. With all deliberate speed, um, they've been moving toward this. But it seems like they're moving away from the actual rioters from January 6th and starting to join up the riot itself with the machinations that may have been happening in the then-former president's orbit on January 6th. And Navarro is very much in the thick of this. So, you know, will it lead to criminal exposure, criminal liability for Navarro? I don't know. Will it lead to criminal liability for anyone else further up the chain? I don't know. But it seems like things are moving closer to the White House. And is it, this law is like, is it obstruction of congressional, a congressional proceeding? Is that like a law that has been I haven't heard of it being used in the past, but I mean, that's kind of what was going on. Yeah, that's what they're, I mean, it probably hasn't been used in the past because no one ever tried to do this before. Can I ask you something? Because like, we're all like, hey, Merrick Garland, get going. Like, you know, charge Trump if you need to charge Trump. But I could imagine like, if you're Merrick Garland and you're the DOJ and you have to make a decision about potentially bringing criminal charges against a man who may be your boss's primary opponent in the next election, like, that goes sort of beyond unprecedented into this other, like, how do you even make that decision? But they've said that. They've telegraphed that from the beginning with, you know, the way they came into the administration was with this idea that they were going to restore morale to the DOJ, sort of strip the department of this veneer of partisanship that it had been imbued with during the Trump years and get it back to sort of being an independent administrative body outside of the White House. And I think that's a really hard thing to do while you're also balancing this investigation that goes to the former occupant and you know, by some accounts, um, the prospective new occupant, if some people have their way, of the White House going forward. So I, I think it's a delicate line to walk. And this is not to excuse the glacial pace with which he has moved, but I think it's a lot to balance. It's going to be hard. Um, I feel boo fucking who? <laughs> I, I, was, I, was, I love it. I was, trying to, I was trying to bait you here. I was like, someone... Go- Here's the thing. We have, we have tried the Comey method. And the Comey method is, the Comey method is worry first about the appearance of nonpartisanship and let your decisions flow from that. Uh, That plane crashed into the fucking mountain. Does not work. Does not work. Let's try the other thing of just 
following the, the, the law to where it leads. And but, one can thing, you but can you imagine the op-eds? Yes, I can. I can. But like, can you imagine the op-eds if Merrick Garland does that? Oh, boy. Uh, one thing that has been signaled, though, again and again, it was, it, and, and, and that's happened here, too, they keep making this point over and over again, because I think it must be a sensitive question, right? They keep saying, not only do we believe this is, an, this is evidence of law-breaking, but we believe it is knowledge, uh, evidence of law breaking with knowledge that what they were doing was breaking the law. And I feel like that's important, especially here, because we are playing with such kind of fundamental questions of what it really means to break laws that haven't really been considered broken before, right? Like, we are playing at the kind of, like, foundational level of how our government is supposed to work, which also makes it trickier, which is why it's interesting they keep coming back to that idea. It's not just, you know, that these are laws that haven't been broken before, but so much of governance isn't about law, but about norms. And it's the norms that were eroded over the past four years. And now the question is, do we need to promulgate laws to fill in what was lost when we stripped these norms of their content? Seems like we do, but it seems like we uh, need to get get by a few things to get that majority first to pass well, those well, laws. Yeah, I mean, it's that. so confusing, because there's also, there's, there's a grand jury in Georgia, too, and Brad Raffensperger, the Republican Secretary of State, testified, I guess, maybe in Monday in front of them. What's he talking about? Same kind of shit? Well, Trey, what, Trump, Trump, Trump trying to overturn the election there, but I do, I do think the intention, what you were saying, Lovett, they're trying to go after the intention here, because in that random mem that memo from that random lawyer to Rudy Giuliani, they said that one of the reasons that they wanted Grassley in there is to, quote, insulate Mike Pence and Donald Trump from any criminal liability, which means that they certainly thought that there was criminal liability there if Mike Pence just decided to overturn the election, which I guess proves intention. Where do you think Rudy found this lawyer? Like a billboard on the West Side Highway? Very late at night on television. I think, yeah. I think he's, wherever, he's at a cigar bar. He's got, he's, got, he's, got, he's got three fingers. Back page? Someone said back page. Back page. <laughs> <laughs> Different bucket of issues. <laughs> Don't interrupt me while I'm talking about his drinking. <laughs> it, was, it was such a good joke, though. I had to bring it up. It wasn't mine. Anyway, you were saying? <laughs> no, I'm not finishing my point. <laughs> um, That's your fault. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so no, keep going, John. Tommy, clearly, as you can all tell, there's, like, too much information about January 6th to digest right now. The hearings haven't even started yet. Like... Just today, we get another tranche of Mark Meadows' texts. I had to check the article because I was like, I thought the texts already came, but there were more texts. This, here's yeah. my favorite. I'll, I'll just my favorite text. Um, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene to Mark Meadows. Uh, this is last good. night, Senator Graham told me that if I found 100 names of dead voters in Georgia, that he would object. I have 100 dead voters' names. And then, and then one minute later to, to Mark Meadows, just in case he probably didn't respond within that minute, tell President Trump, exclamation. That's so good. You found the dead names. She also, in that text, uh, asked Mark Meadows for Lindsey Graham's cell. Yep. <laughs> the guy is the White House chief of staff, ostensibly one of the most powerful human beings on the fucking planet, and he is sending little, he's attaching contacts. Well, he's, get, he's, getting, he's getting a string of texts from Ginny Thomas. He's getting them from MTG. Now, I would have given out Lindsey Graham's number in a second. I would have been like, oh. here's Lindsey Graham's number. Here's Donald Trump's number. Here's Remember when numbers. Trump read Lindsey Graham's number aloud at an event? Yeah. yeah that was There's funny. precedent for this. Anyway, we're getting lots of details precedent. again. Tommy, if you were in charge of choreographing these hearings, what is the essence of the story that you would want to get across to people? Um, first, I just want to second whatever Lovett was going to say. Um, 
in terms in terms of the hearings, I think like they, we have to make a case that this is not just about relitigating the past, but about the future and preventing a worse outcome down the road. Because I think one of the lessons from impeachment and Bob Mueller and that whole morass we got sucked into was what voters ultimately heard was Washington infighting you know, like typical partisan back and forth and they just didn't love it. And I, so I think success here is you lay out a bunch of facts that are reported and become, you know, informed voters. There's potentially referrals to DOJ and some sort of accountability for people that did conspire to overturn an election. And then essentially you're just waking everybody the fuck up to say this is happening now. I mean, we're, we're talking about January 6th in the, in the 2020 effort to overturn the election as they are doing a better job organizing for the future. And like that to me is the really scary part that just seemingly isn't breaking through. Love it, what about you? Yeah, I agree with, I agree with that. Uh, I, I do think it's about Republican extremism. You know, there was that poll we talked about a few weeks ago, the most salient quality people think of when they think of Republicans is extremism, the most salient quality when they think of Democrats is weakness, not ideal. Uh, <laughs> but I do think that like years of coverage of, of Trump, uh, years of coverage of these, of these sort of right-wing Republicans that has landed with people. There's a reason that President Biden has started referring to kind of, you know, MAGA Republicans. And I think pointing out that we are trying to fight against extremism uh, and the dangers extremism pose uh, to our democracy, uh, to women on questions of reproductive care and abortion, uh, extremism on guns. I feel like that is a thread that ties together uh, a lot of the threats we're facing where we have a very big majority on our side. Well, so what about you? What do you think is the main, what should be the main takeaway from this story? I think part of this is about showing the American public how these pieces link together. Because like right now, the two narratives are sort of these disembodied events, the riot at the Capitol, and then these machinations, alleged machinations that are happening in the White House. And to show that this is all part of the same thing. Like, and, and the, the thing rots at the head. The rot started in the Oval Office and it then led to the Capitol. They're not disembodied. They're actually completely joined up and they're still joined up to this day. Yeah, I think that's important. And then to, to love it and Tommy's point, that rot is sort of political extremism that's turned into violence. And it has turned, in, it turned into violence on January 6th, and it could turn into violence again. And this is no longer just a debate about Republican versus Democrat, conservative versus liberal. This is about a, a faction in this country that has incited violence and will again if they do not gain power. I mean, that is just... You know, and I think it's going to be it's going to be a tough struggle because I'm sure all the Democrats on the committee and, and Cheney and Kinzinger are all like, of course, we want to focus on the future. The media will naturally gravitate to the explosive details that are revealed, which will all be about the past. So it's going to be a constant struggle for the people on the committee to sort of push the narrative forward to be about the future because all the coverage will be about, oh, then this happened and this happened in the past. And I, and I do think one other piece of this uh, it, I know we're a bit of nerd to it, but it is striking even in seeing these texts, and we saw another tranche of them, many of which I think repeated what we had seen in the past, but no one understood the connection between what was happening at the Capitol and what was happening at the White House than Trump's biggest supporters. Laura Ingram understood it. Sean Hannity understood it. Don Jr. understood it. Mar uh, Reince Priebus understood it. Yeah, eventually they came to decide that it was Antifa. But isn't it strange? Isn't it strange <laughs> they thought that the Antifa at the Capitol would leave if Trump told them to? Isn't that an interesting 
contradiction. Look, we all have motion sickness from the nonstop whirl of the 24-7 news cycle. So let's stay, what is this? Let's step back, take a breath, and give ourselves a chance to say, okay, stop. <laughs> you all know the rules. We're gonna play a video, we're gonna yell, okay, stop. We're gonna dig our little claws in like a pigeon. <laughs> when did this get added? A pigeon and a rat fighting over a Sparrow slice. Come on. But the slice is Laura Ingram saying marijuana causes school shootings. But this week we're gonna focus on, uh, it's, it's Marjorie Taylor Greene, let's roll the clip. You have to accept the fact that the government totally wants to provide surveillance on every part of your life. They want to know when you're eating. They wanna know if you're eating a cheeseburger, which is very bad because Bill Gates wants you to eat his fake meat that grows in a peach tree dish. Okay, stop. I just wanna say, I think that she knows it's Petri dish. And I think she's trying to make Petri dish sound foreign and scary. I sure. hope so, because like, what, is, what does she think that a peach tree dish looks like? Like, that's what I'm most, I'm, that's my biggest question. Draw me a peach tree dish. She, she's also reading. <laughs> so this, these are, <laughs> these were prepared remarks. <laughs> yeah. Not the brightest bulb. <laughs> Let's keep going. So you'll probably get a little zap inside your body and that's saying, no, no, don't eat a real cheeseburger. You need to eat the fake, the fake burger, the fake meat from Bill Gates. Okay, stop. So the zap is from the space laser. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yes. It's a Jewish space laser. Of course. Right. Of course. We will not be erased. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't spend all that time at our secret Jewish meetings, developing plans for a space laser to have our accomplishments be, be erased. This isn't must-see TV, all right? We're allowed to, I don't know. I'm so sorry, <laughs> I got excited. And the point is, that zap is not a space, I mean, it could be a space laser, it's more likely just indigestion. I mean, this might be like the, this might be the uh, 5G vaccine microchip talking, but I kind of like fake meat once in a while. Yeah, that's, I mean, he's got me, he got me. There's something, there's something so funny about like, like the fact that there has to be like an ideological valence on every fucking thing. It's like, hey, like Impossible Burgers are cool. They're trying to make fake meat that tastes just like real meat. It's like a cool accomplishment. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not, it's not liberal. There's nothing liberal about it. No one's, it's okay. push, no one's pushing them on you. Yeah, no one's making you. Except the companies that make them. Yeah. I mean, Yet. eventually we will replace all the meat with the fake meat. <laughs> now we're going to be on Tucker again. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> That's twice I'm going to be on Tucker now. Fuck. Like, it's the fake meat, like, salient green, and it's actually made of people. What, are, what, what side are you on? I just, like, just want to know. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's... Salient green is people. I don't... I, it's only green as people, for sure. Only green as people. All right, let's keep going. Um, they probably also want to know when you go to the bathroom and if your bowel movements are, are on time or consistent. <gasps> okay, <laughs> stop. <laughs> 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 
this is the same woman who wants to obliterate reproductive rights, like actually what people do with their bodies, but she's complaining about this. And I, you know, this happens with the, uh, with the 5G microchipping. It happens in moments like this. How fucking interesting do you think you are? Yeah. Marjorie Taylor Greene, your fucking BM cycles are of no consequence <laughs> to any of us. I don't care if you shit before CrossFit or after CrossFit. Or during. It doesn't matter. I mean, she's also, she's always like a good point adjacent, you know? Like, you, So you sort of want to know. The them. NSA bulk surveillance and collection. The FISA courts. There's a lot of reasons to be worried about government surveillance. It's not because Bill Gates wants to know when you took a shit. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? And Bill Gates... How did we get here? And if Bill Gates wants to know when I'm pooping, he just has to ask. I'm me. happy to tell. I was going to say, that. why is this secret information? Yeah. <laughs> and the answer is, in the mornings or never. <laughs> just have to wait. You have to... Yeah, the, the body no, is, knows. I guess there is a right answer. Let's That's... edit that out of the pod. That's too much. Cut it out. <laughs> I got it. Just cut that. You get it. Send yeah, just right trim to, it. Send that right just to trim Gates. it. We have sponsors here. <laughs> what else we got? Let's keep going. They just want you to think that all of a sudden the entire population uh, is steadily turning gay or turning trans. Just generation, generation. Probably in about four or five generations, no one will be straight anymore. Okay, stop. Hey, Mar, Marge, Marge, don't, don't threaten us with a good time. <laughs> Easiest applause line right there. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, whatever he said. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Uh, you know, it's 2038. Kermit and Fozzie are fucking. Are those, Janice those the dumps Miss Piggy. What? Those are the last two, Kermit and Fozzie? <laughs> no, no. I'm saying they're gay now. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They were the holdouts. They were the holdouts. Let's keep rolling the clip. One will be either gay or trans or non-conforming or whatever the list of 50 or 60 different options there are. And I think straight will probably stay on that list. And that's what I think is important. If you get to 50, 53, straight will be there and you can pick it. You may have to live somewhere else. Somewhere <laughs> just for you. But it'll be fine. We'll bring you whatever you need. <laughs> Old Navy clothes. <laughs> you live in <laughs> episodes of The Bachelor. Yeah, you live in downtown Boston. Yeah, you go to Bruins games. <laughs> you can do your gender reveal parties. <laughs> You fucking freaks. Start a forest fire, yeah. The point is, the point is, we're not all gay yet. And until that day comes, please head to crooked.com slash pride. There you can find all about what we're doing all through June. We're fundraising for Trans Lifeline, the Trans Education Network of Texas, and Equality Florida, Three organizations that provide uh, incredible support for people on the ground and do a lot of activism to change laws. Uh, they're doing great work, so go to crooked.com slash pride to support what they're doing right now. Coming up next, more news.
Ask Sherwin-Williams and get 30% off Duration and Super Deck products May 17th through the 20th. That means 30% off our most popular color family, blue. Psychologists have found it to be soothing and relaxing, which makes it especially great for bedrooms and bathrooms. And of course, get 30% off all of our other colors. Shop the sale online or visit your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams store. Click the banner to learn more. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. All right, let's get back to the news. Uh, so just an hour before the show started, uh, President Biden gave a speech urging Congress to address America's gun violence epidemic. Um, Uh, an epidemic which now sadly includes yet another mass shooting just on Wednesday that left five dead at a hospital in Tulsa, including the killer. Um, so House Democrats are going to try apparently next week to pass a law that cracks down on ghost guns and large capacity magazines while raising the gun purchasing age from 18 to 21. Nancy Pelosi said also separately they will take up an assault weapons ban. Um, Uh, and I will say from Biden's speech, he also advocated for all of these measures as well. Um, unlike, unlikely that any of that passes the Senate, unfortunately, um, but there's a bipartisan group of senators there who say they're making progress on a package that might include expanding background checks, funding for mental health services and school security, and incentives for states to pass red flag laws that would allow authorities to confiscate firearms from people deemed to be threats to themselves and others. Um, so, Lovett, there's a lot of we're closer than we've ever been talk coming out of Congress right now on this. Uh, how skeptical or hopeful are you, and what do you think about the potential deal that's coming together here? I would say that I am skeptical about them doing something hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm hopeful about something I'm quite skeptical about. Uh, you know, the last time we were this close to passing something was after Sandy Hook that was a background check bill that failed in the Senate, even though it was a bipartisan compromise. Uh, all but a few Republicans were against it. Four Democrats uh, who were from states like, at the time, North Dakota, Montana, Arkansas, uh, also voted against it. I think that there, you do feel even now there has been a shift, right? I think all Democrats would be united in favor of this kind of a compromise. And even the compromise they're discussing in the Senate goes a bit beyond uh, what was discussed back then. That said, uh, you look at what's being discussed in the Senate, and then you look at what someone like McConnell has been saying, right? There's conversation about mental health. There's conversation about hardening schools. Doors. Fucking Don't forget the doors. unbelievable. Fewer doors. Uh, that'll do you it. You know. Uh, that was the senator from Cancun. Yeah. <laughs> the senator guy. from Cancun. That was Ted yeah. Cruz. Yes. Fuck Ted. Fuck Door Ted control. That's what we need. Door control. Uh, but you, so what McConnell has said is he, he's open to a conversation about things like mental health and beefing up school security and then talks about the importance of upholding the Second Amendment. I am very cons I think it is possible to get something on mental health. It's possible to get something on security, though you can't secure the world from these things. It is unlikely that we get a very strong, obviously we're not going to get a ban on assault weapons. Uh, hard to imagine even getting the uh, age raised to 21, even though that would make a massive difference. Uh, but the question is, can we get something on red flags and background checks? I think we honestly don't know. I think right now we don't know if that's possible. And we also don't know what Democrats would do if it became clear that we couldn't even get something as paltry as that. Is it worth 
keeping on, is it worth doing just something on mental health and school security if we can't get something on red flag, we can't get something on background checks? I, I don't know. It feels like a moment where we have to do something. Uh, but uh, I think it's still reasonable to have some hope there can be something on red flag laws, something on background checks. Yeah, I think that the challenge you get in the Senate is because you have you have Manchin and Cinema who want to get rid of the filibuster, so you need to count to 10 on the Republican side. Once you get past your Susan Collins, Murkowski, Romney, Republicans who are retiring, you basically get into either extremely conservative Republicans or Republicans who want to be the next Mitch McConnell, and none of the Republican senators who want to be the next Mitch McConnell want to get to the left of any of their other competitors. So, like, John Cornyn's been talking to Chris Murphy for a year about red flag laws and stuff like that, but if... John Thune or John Barrasso or any of these other Republicans who want to challenge uh, John Thune for leader see that he's for red flag laws, then you know, they'll, they'll give him shit with the rest of the caucus. So the, caucus, the Republican caucus is so extreme that it is very difficult to imagine 10 Republican senators getting together to agree to even the most minor reforms, unless it's a red, and I don't know, maybe you set up a red flag law so that it is so broad, and I don't know how you might do this, that like it somehow pleases Republicans, because I'm sure they're going to be mad that some judge is going to take away people's guns. Well, and also just to your point, like the same, the, the, the question then isn't about getting 10, it's because some of the pressures inside the caucus, you're starting to think like, okay, what's something that would get 20 Republican votes, where they'd feel they'd have some protection to go along with exactly. this? Exactly. And that, that doesn't seem like a very stringent gun law that would get 20. <laughs> uh, Melissa, so while Congress debates doing like literally anything about guns, we're also waiting for what might be the Supreme Court's most important Second Amendment ruling in more than a decade. Can you talk a little bit about what that case is about and the implications that the ruling could have? Sure. So currently pending before the court is a case called New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. And it is a challenge to New York State's concealed carry permitting regime. And this was argued in the November sitting. Um, there were about 11 cases in the November sitting. This is the only one for which a decision has yet to be announced. So hold on to that for a minute. Um, it was very clear at oral argument in November that there were definitely five justices who were ready to expand the scope of the Second Amendment, um, which had been expanded by the court in 2008 in Heller versus the District of Columbia to allow for a Second Amendment right of individuals to maintain firearms for the purposes of home defense. This would obviously expand that further to allow for public carrying of weapons. And the only question that appeared in that oral argument was whether states would still be permitted to cordon off quote unquote sensitive areas where there could still be restrictions on public carry like stadia or school campuses or things like that or the New York subway as Elena Kagan, a inveterate New Yorker, kept mentioning. Um, and so I'm going to come back to this idea that this case seemed pretty clear back in November, and it's been a long time. And the court is winding down now and trying to push out all of the leftover opinions, and this one's still outstanding. And I wonder if they have this in the can, ready to go, but they're finally able to read the room and realize that they can't release an opinion blowing open the Second Amendment in this political climate right so now. So they're going to wait for like the 24 hours where there's not a mass shooting to get it out there? <laughs> right. Or, or, I mean, maybe they think that the temperature will lower a little bit and there will yeah. be a better time. But, but they were supposed to release opinions on Monday and nothing came out, which is really, really surprising. 
given the timing. We're in June. Yeah, we're in June. It's 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 go time, and nothing. And so I, I just wonder if you know, even they are wary of being incredibly ghoulish in this moment. Can I say like, what are the the implications of this ruling? Because I read somewhere like, could it mean that that states that pass laws to prevent people from carrying handguns in public, like they would, it would overrule that? Like they would not be able to pass those laws? It's not immediately obvious that all concealed carry regimes would be invalidated. New York's was especially discretionary, gave a lot of discretion to policymakers and the officials to decide who could have a permit and who couldn't. And so I think it would depend on the level of discretion. But I think what it would entail is that there are going to be more challenges in other states. And my strict scrutiny co-host, Kate Shaw, had a terrific op-ed. 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 And they're so important right now. <laughs> this one was really Kate's important. Kate's op-ed was great. Talk, it was, yeah, tell so this is an op-ed that Kate wrote with John Bash, who was um, the Scalia clerk who worked on the Heller opinion. Kate clerked for Justice Stevens and was the clerk who wrote, helped him write that dissent. And basically, they argue that Heller is not to be construed. It wasn't intended to be construed as the sort of, you know, bomb that you put on any kind of gun reform legislation. And Republicans are great at this, but Heller, but Heller, the Second Amendment, but Heller. And Kate and John, I think, lay out the case very well that, you know, Heller does expand the scope of the Second Amendment to some degree, but it is not intended to eliminate any prospect of meaningful gun reform. And in fact, Justice Scalia specifically says that there can be reasonable gun reform and enumerates the kind of gun reform that you might have. And so what Heller has really done, um, in addition to expanding the scope of the Second Amendment, is actually served as a really potent deterrent to doing anything. And that's something that it shouldn't be allowed yeah, to do. Yeah, we shouldn't see it that way. Yeah. So, Tommy, you know, guns have already become a big issue in the midterm campaign. Um, Democratic candidates like John Fetterman, who's running for Senate in Pennsylvania, um, um, he, he, recent, he recently said that the party needs to be ruthless on gun control uh, and get rid of the filibuster to pass it, which is great. Um, meanwhile, Republicans like Mo Brooks of Alabama recently said that the Second Amendment exists to, quote, take back our government should it become dictatorial. This is someone who's running for Senate in Alabama. Um, North, Carolina, North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson said he owns an AR-15, quote, in case the government gets too big for its britches. Uh, he's uh, rumored to be running for governor of North Carolina in 2024. Uh, and Pennsylvania gubernatorial nominee Doug Mastriano said this about gun control just the other day, quote, we saw Hitler do the same thing in Germany in the 30s. Hitler references, always, always great in politics. Um, yeah. Tommy, do you think Republican candidates have landed on the most uh, effective swing state messages on oh, guns absolutely. here? You know, also, Better O'Rourke, I think, deserves a shout-out for yes. fighting, uh, fighting the good fight on guns in Texas. I mean, I, I do think lifting up examples like you just did is really important because it shows how extreme the Republican Party is on guns um, for a couple reasons. One, it just shows their utter indifference to the events around them. I mean, children being murdered. But it also shows, you know, it's part of this broader story that we were talking about earlier about extremism of the GOP. Because you, these, these guys go to these crazy places, like everything is this like paranoid fantasy where like a minor modest gun control law is a slippery slope to tyranny, or they get into this weird like vigilante cosplay fantasy where 
every teacher is one Glock away from being Rambo. You know, it's like they all sound like Mark Wahlberg when he said he would have stopped the 9-11 hijackers. Do you guys remember this? Mark Wahlberg gave an interview where he said if he had been on that plane, shit would have gone differently. That actually happened. That. Anyway, these are not fringe people, though. Like, Doug Mastriano could be the next governor of Pennsylvania, and he's not the first guy to drop the fucking Hitler argument. Ben Carson did this in 2016 and had to apologize for it. And so, like, I, the point is, like, <laughs> compromising with these people is going to be really hard. Mitch McConnell has spent two decades blocking any kind of meaningful gun reform. So the only solution here is going to be making sure that people understand the stakes here, communicating to our base, and turning people out. Yeah, it's also like, yes. And voting. Voting is good. It's, it's also like, you step back for a second, and you look at what their answers are, and it's give police tanks, make police uh, more, heavily arm the police with even more and more powerful weapons, turn our schools into jails, put security everywhere. They want, they want guns to protect themselves against a police state, and then they want us to live in a police state to protect us against the guns that they flooded our society with. But I, I, but I also think, to Tommy's point too, it, it is worth noting the shift in rhetoric from a lot of these Republicans, right? Like the argument about guns and gun rights used to be want my gun for hunting, and maybe I want a handgun to protect my family. And now it's very openly saying, no, 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 we want guns to overthrow the government if we need to. <laughs> like, like, that is a sh just like, it's the same shift on abortion, on gay rights, on almost every one of these cultural issues. They are now so overstepping and so, going so far to the extreme that I do think that they have lost the, pl the plot in terms of like where most of the country is. Most people don't own guns because they think they're going to overthrow the fucking government right now. Like, that is crazy. Or that they're living in Red Dawn and like a, a couple of random well-armed citizens could fight off either the German government and German military in the late 30s or the U.S. military. What, what the fuck are we talking it's about? It's also, I mean, look, they also, uh, in, their, in their feverish imaginations, 100% uh, of the members of their little militia are white. And they would yeah, not yeah. be so happy to see a group of armed black people <laughs> threatening the government because they're worried about their freedom, their right to exist, without, without being, living in fear. So it's all, uh, I think it's all fucked. I think, historically speaking, that was the only time the NRA started to come out in support of gun laws, gun control, yeah. What, um, it raises the questions, of course, like what, what should Democratic candidates and the rest of us do and say about this issue between now and November? How big of an issue should we make it in the midterms? I mean, pretty central. I mean, my question, I have a question back for you, which is that you guys, Joe Biden did a, um, a primetime Oval Office address this evening about this issue. Panacea? Going to solve the problem? Good, good way to communicate, bad way? What do you think? Yeah, speeches always solve problems. What do you think, speechwriters? <laughs> Look, I'll say, the, the, what, you know, Cornell Belcher has been talking about this, and I think he makes a really good point, which, like, there is a, <laughs> these issues, there's, there are tens of millions of, of women in this country. They are who helped Democrats win the House in 2018. They are helped deliver the White House in 2020. Uh, and they are motivated by access to reproductive care and bodily autonomy, they are motivated by safety for their children in schools. Uh, you know, <laughs> that is a coalition 
that we can bring together uh, to kind of overcome some of the obstacles we knew we were always going to face going into this midterm? You also don't need to make them two separate issues. Like raising your children in conditions of safety is a reproductive justice issue. Yeah. And it's good to see, like, people are kind of like dusting off their desire to get out in the streets, to march, to go to rallies, right? There was a big pro reproductive rights rally. When was that? Two weeks ago? Three weeks ago? There's another big um, gun control rally on June 11th. Yeah, March for up. Our Lives is March organizing lives. across the country. I think like that kind of direct action is really important because, like, to your point, Lovett, like, should Congress bank a law right now, even if it's really modest and doesn't solve the problem? My vote would be yes. I would say bank whatever we can bank because if you can save one life, you save one life, and then keep going and try to fight the next fight. Yeah. But I think the reason that all of this organizing, like what March for Our Lives is going to do Saturday the 11th, everyone should find a, a rally or a march in your, in your local city. Um, the reason it's so important is because we are fighting against just shortening attention spans from all of us and from the media. There was like a really depressing chart that showed sort of the number of clicks, you know, social media posts, sort of like uh, attention on uh, gun violence after different gun, uh, mass shootings. And the last ones, like, they would spike, and then they would sort of go down slowly. Like, Parkland spiked really high, and then it took a long time for it to finally die, die, die down. And after uh, Buffalo, it was like three days. And then already, um, after, uh, after last week, it was like down after 24 hours, 48 hours. Like, our, so... We are not going to, it, it's good that Joe Biden gave a speech, of course. Is Joe Biden's speech going to fix this? Absolutely not. But like Joe Biden and every, semi, every single Democratic official and every single Democratic candidate and every single activist and all of us should be talking about this issue and reproductive justice and all these issues every single day. And we should be out there on the doors talking to people because we cannot count on the media to give these issues attention all the time. That's, that's not going to work. What's going to work is pounding the pavement, knocking on doors, going to these rallies, day after day after day right. between and, now and November. And Parkland didn't stay in the news because it was more interesting or people cared more. It stayed in the news because those students exactly who were right. a victim of that horror stayed out there every day. They were on the news. They were doing bus tours around the country. They were bringing in kids from other parts of the country who hadn't been a part of the violence, and they led a massive march. And like that's the got to be the next step. It is entirely up to us. It is entirely up to us. And before we bring out uh, the Attorney General, we do want to recognize... Another example of very successful organizing, particularly here in New York, uh, it began last August up in Buffalo with two stores that wanted to organize for better pay and working conditions. And uh, here's a clip of Bernie Sanders uh, telling us what happened next. That union organizing effort at Starbucks is spreading like wildfire all across the country. In fact, last Friday, Workers in New York City successfully voted to form the first Starbucks Union Roastery and 10th Union Starbucks coffee shop in the country. And in the coming weeks and months, Starbucks workers in some 170 other coffee shops in 27 states will be holding union elections. So, uh, last week, 
Starbucks Workers United hit a huge milestone. Its 100th store voted to unionize. We can expect many more in the coming months. To tell us more about their success is Will Westlake, a barista and organizer from just outside of Buffalo. Will, come on out. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Nice meeting you. Hi, everyone. Hey there. Um, yes, so thank you guys so much for the introduction. Thank you, Bernie Sanders. Um, <laughs> can't say that enough. Uh, yeah, this is a really exciting movement. We now, as we just said, have more than 100 stores that have organized across the country. We're winning in Buffalo, we're winning in Seattle, in Starbucks' hometown. We're winning in Deep Blue, Vermont, and we're winning in Deep Red, Oklahoma. And... <laughs> You know, I really can't stress enough just the resilience and the amazing people that I work with shoulder to shoulder every day behind the bar. Um, and, you know, for those of you who didn't know about this movement, I'm really excited to share this with you. Um, but I also want to talk about how hard it has been to be a part of this movement because what we have seen from Starbucks, from the company, is one of the worst union-busting campaigns in recent U.S. history. And, you know, when 44 of uh, my fellow baristas and I wrote a letter to, um, you know, then-CEO Kevin Johnson, we asked for a fair election, we asked for Starbucks to respect the law. Um, just in the last couple of weeks, the National Labor Relations Board has found merit in over 200 violations by Starbucks in Buffalo alone of the National Labor Relations Act. And, you know, this from a company that claims to be a progressive company. And, uh, you know, Melody Hobson, who was just honored at MoMA uh, this Tuesday in New York City, who's the chair of the board of directors, um, claims that there hasn't been any union busting going on at all from the company. Um, but when we wrote a letter to her uh, a few months ago, she didn't respond to us directly. Instead, she used Littler Mendelssohn, one of the most notorious union busting law firms, the same people that Walmart employs to bust their workers' unions. Um, to send a response that further attacked the union, further tried to say that this wasn't the worker-led movement and the inspirational campaign that it has been. And, you know, this is coming from someone, Melody Hobson, who actually has made millions off of union pensions herself. Um, so, you know, I think I can't stress enough just the amount of pressure that baristas have been under and the resilience that we've had. Um, we now have over 300 stores that are going to be going into elections in the next couple of months, and uh, here's to 1,000 stores. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. Well. Appreciate it. Okay, when we come back, Love it, and Melissa will talk to Attorney General Letitia James. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. Joining us now, she's taking on the gun lobby, Andrew Cuomo, and the Trump Organization. One more, and she gets a free sub. <laughs> please, 
please welcome the Attorney General of the State of New York, Brooklyn's own Tish James. They love you. Hi, good to see you. Wanna go here? Welcome. Good Brooklyn. to see you. Nice to see you. Is Brooklyn in the house? Yes. Without a doubt. Can we call you General? No. I want to call you General. No, don't do that. I'm just. Tish from Brooklyn. <laughs> just uh, that's that's what we were instructed to call yeah, the Attorney General time. the last time. Just exactly. Tish from Brooklyn. Exactly. Brooklyn, hard, very hard. Why so, don't all Attorney Generals do that? Why isn't like Merrick from Chevy Chase? <laughs> <laughs> it's, one, it sounds too militaristic, um, and I'm a pacifist. Two, um, I want to be reminded of my humble beginnings and where I come from. Um, and so that's why um, I don't want to change. Um, I just want to be this scrappy person um, who stands up to bullies. That's it. Oh, okay. So he told me I could put the mic down, and now they want yeah. me to put it up. Okay. So let's, let's dive in. So last year, New York passed the public nuisance bill. Yeah. Uh, which allows the state to sue gun manufacturers and sellers. Connecticut has a similar law that allowed families to sue manufacture, the manufacturer of the weapon used in Sandy Hook. Has the gun industry changed any of its business practices in response to this law in New York? And you can talk a little bit about uh, uh, how your office has begun to enforce the law. Sure. So as you know, the state legislature uh, created this public nuisance law um, because, unfortunately, the United States Congress um, established immunity for gun manufacturers and gun distributors. They benefit from all of that. Um, so the legislature decided to create a gun nuisance law as an exception um, to this immunity law. The gun lobby decided to sue the state, uh, basically saying that we were preempted. We defended the law, we were successful, um, and we are developing... Um, and so we are looking at some fact patterns, and so stay tuned. Okay. Other states are looking at this right now, especially the possibility of exposing gun manufacturers to civil liability. Are there any lessons learned from New York, and in particular, the legal challenge where you successfully defended this that other blue states can use as they think about how to do this right now? So I'm looking, working with other Democratic attorney generals across the state and across the country, which is why it's so critically important for all of you out there to understand the role of Democratic attorney generals, particularly under the former administration, where we stood up for democracy at a time when the United States Congress was paralyzed. It was Democratic attorney generals who won over and over and over again. 85% of our cases against Donald Trump, we were successful. 85%. And we need to make sure that we elect Democratic AG. So I need all of you to support AG Nessel in Michigan, A.G. Ford in, in Nevada, um, A.G. Cowell um, in, uh, yeah, in Wisconsin, um, and, oh, Keith Ellison in Minnesota. Yeah. So what we learned. Um, 
we learned that, uh, um, that certain uh, weapons and certain manufacturers, we learned a lot about their marketing tactics. We also learned that it's tied to, uh, um, they have marketing to children and to young people and to inner cities. And so we're looking at their practices, not only in New York, but all across this nation. And again, as I mentioned earlier, just stay tuned. We have this statue, we defended it, um, we were successful, and now we need to make sure that we put it into use and hold individuals, these gun manufacturers and these gun distributors, responsible and accountable for all the carnage that they are causing all across this nation. So, boom, lawyered on guns. Let's switch to abortion. <sighs> yeah. So, we've all looked at the leaked draft Dobbs opinion. Whatever happens, it's kind of going to be a shit show. It's going to be a shit show. Right. That's the legal term for it. Yeah, that's a legal term. Yeah. What's New York going to do, um, and what are other blue states going to do to shore up reproductive rights for women and pregnant persons in this state, but also in the country. Can I just say that um, the attack on trans rights, the attack on reproductive care, the attack on immigrants, the attack on voting rights, and all of this, and the defense of the gun industry, they're all tied together. Yes. They're all tied together. You can't separate them out. And it's important that individuals understand that. And so what we've got, what we are doing here in the state of New York is one, uh, we are, we've passed a law. It is enshrined in the law in the state of New York. We hope that the state legislature um, enshrines it in our constitution. Today is their last day. Um, I know that they are going into the middle of the night. I hope that they pass that law and, and um, enshrine it in our constitution. We're establishing a reproductive fund so that individuals who are underinsured or lack insurance can come to New York and seek abortions. We will provide for their transportation, their childcare. Yeah. And we're standing up to those fake abortion clinics that harass individuals. The crisis pregnancy centers. Exactly. Um, those centers that harass individuals who basically come um, and uh, who are seeking an abortion. Listen, you, everyone knows my story. I had an abortion as a city council member, um, and I don't make apologies to anyone. It was my decision, and it was my decision between me and my God and no one else. And people need to tell their stories. They need to tell their truths. They need to... Um, talk about how difficult it was, a difficult decision it was, how young girls used to come into my office in Fort Greene, young girls who obviously needed not only reproductive care, who basically needed health care. And so it's really critically important that we stand up for reproductive rights, that we not be treated like second-class citizens, that we have destiny over our lives, um, that we not be held hostage to these individuals, primarily men, no excuse, um, who want to take control over our lives. It's unacceptable, and we've got to stand up and fight back. And so what we've got to do, it's about autonomy. It's really out about autonomy. And so I urge everyone, we've got to organize people to vote like never before, not only in New York, but all across this nation. 
and, under, and let people know that all of these issues are all inextricably tied to one another. And I refuse, and all of you out there, we are fucking tired of individuals holding us back. Can I say that? You're the general. Yeah. You're the general. And that we gotta vote. I'm sorry for saying that. I said I dropped the f bomb. You're I've Tish gone. from Please. Brooklyn. You can say whatever you I want. Can say here. that. Say whatever you want. <laughs> so uh, in December, you subpoenaed Donald Trump's company for written documents, notes, calendar entries, and cell phone data. He did not comply. So your office began finding him ten thousand dollars a day. Uh, <laughs> we have hundred and ten thousand dollars in escrow. Nice. We get, are we in a money market? How, how much interest are we getting on this thing? How, is it in a money market? What are we getting on this? <laughs> it's in escrow. Right. Uh, and I would hope when we're successful, I can take those funds and distribute it to a homeless shelter or, dem or domestic violence organization. I'm just saying, maybe we take it, we buy the dip. Uh, so, <laughs> has, it <laughs> has it changed the way uh, uh, Trump and his lawyers have cooperated with your investigation? Still not cooperating. He's appealing, and he's gonna. I'm gonna allow him to exhaust his appeal. Um, at the end of the day, I'm confident that we will be successful. Uh, the reality is, is that he used. He was fraudulent in in the uh, in value evaluating his assets. We all know that he used funny numbers and um, his uh, financial documents. Uh, he often used different uh, financial documents, um, and he got caught. And so the evidence is clear. Um, and this has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with the law. And the reality is, is that this organization should be held accountable. Um, and some people describe it as a corporate death penalty. I don't, I don't want to go that far. All I want to do is make sure that he understands um, that uh, he cannot use different assets uh, for different uh, organizations, for the tax department, for to obtain a mortgage for insurance purposes and other purposes. Um, and he needs to be held accountable, him and his corporation. You are not the first person to investigate Donald Trump, although you've probably been the most successful person in investigating him. What did you learn from those previous unsuccessful investigations, and how did their work help you strategize and draft a strategy for pursuing him in this investigation? Well, as you know, there was a, there was a criminal investigation that's ongoing by uh, the Manhattan District Attorney, Alvin Bragg. Um, there were other investigations that were ongoing, but the reality is, is that we just um, we issued subpoenas. We uh, just dug into the facts, into the evidence. It was comprehensive. It was thorough. Um, and we've got a great group of attorneys in the office of the Attorney General. And we just got to the facts. And um, at the end of the day, I am confident, 100% confident, um, that we will be successful in our civil action. Do you and Fannie Willis ever get together and have like black girl magic discussions about how you're going to nail him to the wall? I don't know. I, I know who she is, but I've never met her. Okay. We got to work on that. All right. This is going to be a tough one. Are you excited about Bill de Blasio running for Congress? <laughs> and do you have a de Blasio bumper sticker on your car? So there's a number of candidates in the 10th congressional district. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Next question. Good answer. Next question. If the Nadler Maloney race turns into a violent conflict, if the war goes hot, as many fear it might, 
Are you prepared to intervene? Will you send peacekeeping troops to Zabar's? Will you protect? Look, the, the Upper West and the Upper East, it could come to blows. Like the famous H&H versus S&S, that's a big That could happen. Yeah, it could happen. Could, history could repeat itself. If we don't learn from history, we're doomed Let to repeat it. Let me be the adult in the room. Um. <laughs> what, are, what, what did Melissa do? <laughs> I know both candidates. I respect, respect both candidates, and it's up to the voters. But I will say that the WFP party, from, you know, from which I began my start, endorsed Jerry Nadler. Okay. Just okay. The, two days ago. Last question. Yeah. <laughs> what, do I, what do I have to do to put you in a governor's race? <laughs> what, we get, look, you, you wrap up these cases, you know, you, we, we frog march Donald Trump down to wherever. You're ready to, what do you think? I'm running for re-election as the attorney general of the great state of New York. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, Attorney General Tish from Brooklyn, uh, before we let you go, uh, look, we have two, two of our great legal minds on this stage. That doesn't happen to John and Tommy and, and I very often. Uh, so we, we would be remiss. <laughs> what? Laughing too hard at me. Laugh with me, you fucks. All right, sorry, I cursed too. Uh, uh, but we wanted, uh, uh, you, you, you agreed to put us to the test to see if we could uh, uh, understand the law as well as you do. So, uh, John and Tommy, come back hey. out. They're going to come back out. I'll Finally. stand up. Hi. Good, how are you? Great to see you. Thank you for Great having me. Great to see you as well. Did you know it's illegal to blow up a balloon on a public street in, in New York? It's not. That's made up. But the real indictment of our society is that it could have been true. <laughs> there are obscure, arcane, bizarre laws floating around the New York Penal Code. Attorney General James and Melissa here are going to put our legal knowledge to the test in a game we're calling <laughs> Law and Order New York Trivia. Uh, I, I don't know. I, we have not seen these. I have not seen these. Uh, Melissa and Tish from Brooklyn, please take it away. Tommy, this one's for you. It's illegal to walk around New York on Sunday with an ice cream cone in your pocket. True or false? I, do, 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 do. I feel like I'm being tricked. Into, fuck. Uh, false. True. Uh, ice cream cone in your pocket? In your pocket. What? It, was, it happened once, things went to hell. <laughs> <laughs> There goes Lovett's next Sunday. Okay. Is that, is that an ice cream cone in my pocket, or I'm just happy to be in New York? There it is. There it is. Don't clap for that. There's this softball. What is this? It's like too easy. Um, so, John, you're up next. Sure. True or false, it is illegal to own a ferret in New York City. True. That is correct. This is a Jennifer Aniston movie. Is it? I think it was. Maybe, maybe I've seen it. Maybe I don't want to admit it. John, um, a follow-up in the same vein. Oh. It's legal to own a horse in New York City. True or false? Uh, true. Yeah, you're good. 
There you go. Yeah, I know my yeah. New York law. What am I, what what am I New York animal law. <laughs> <laughs> Very big on the animal law. Okay, love it. This one is for you. True or false? It is legal to release 20 helium balloons in New York City. 20? I'm going to say false. It's an up situation. Wrong. Oh. It is true, but 25 balloons would be illegal. Oh, so close. Oh, the extra five <laughs> is a problem. Okay, Tommy, this one's a little trickier. <laughs> it's illegal to hawk a logie? A loogie. A loogie? Yeah. All right, I'm falling, yeah. In New York City? What the hell? If you, if you have a 10-year-old boy, um, you know oh, okay. what this is. Hawk, it's like a... It's, a, it's spitting when you gave it your all, oh. you know? You it's work really, up something. It's, it's, really more of a, get, it's more of a Boston thing, honestly. I was going to say, it's a very Boston thing. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, wait, the question was, it's illegal to hawk a loogie? Yes. True. Got it. Nice. No loogie hawking in New yeah. York. Yeah. You can't do that. That seems like, yeah. That's a good rule. I mean, it's, it's manners, <laughs> but, you know. Okay, a weird one for John. It's illegal to hunt moths under a street light in New York City? What? It's a serious question, guys. Serious question. True or false? Uh, don't it, sweat, it, don't sweat. True. It is true in Los Angeles, though. <laughs> it is? Yeah. What? Yes. So much for my animal law expertise. <laughs> Went right out the window. Can't take the California bar now. So <laughs> you're done. All right, speaking of weird and esoteric, love it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Fine. So. Homophobia. <laughs> Hard. This feels up your alley. It is illegal to take a selfie with a tiger in the state of New York. True or false? You are the Tiger King. These are so I'm going to say it's true. I think you shouldn't be allowed to do that. That's correct. Yeah, yes. that's, that's very dangerous. Good job, Yeah, you shouldn't do that. Okay, a modern one for John. It's illegal to dance at any New York City bar or restaurant without a cabaret license. They all know the answer. <laughs> Who's that for? Is that for? It's for you. For me? False. What? Uh. It's false. Oh. But that law was on the books until 2017. It was wow. like footloose. You know, I, I pushed to get it repealed. Like, yeah, he was on the, he got I was the, on the committee. He, I wanted we, to dance. We marched for that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to get my license. Yeah. Footloose Go over here. That was on the yeah. other side. We took Kevin Bacon over here. <laughs> took on the powers that be. Tommy, this one is for you, and it's okay. perhaps the weirdest one yet. <laughs> I'm losing, too. True or false, it is legal to sell dog hair in New York? Uh, true? False. It is illegal to sell the fur, hair, flesh, or skin of a dog or a cat. Well, that's uh. a good rule. Let's, let's make this the last one. That makes me emotional, okay. You could be lawyers. This is, this is good. That's upsetting. What about in LA? <laughs> That's all, that's all that's we it. have. Oh. That's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> and that's the game. The winner is Attorney General Tish James. <laughs> Thank you so much for Thank being you here. Thank you so much. One more time.
for New York's Attorney General, Tish from Brooklyn. Thank you so much. New York, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere, as long as you're not too Jewy for the squares between Pasadena and Piscataway. You see where they are? But that's what makes the experience of making it here in New York so exciting, and why so many who have made it, then been unmade by it, try so hard to make it again. That's right, we're talking about all these fallen New York politicians clawing their way out of their political graves covered in dirt, against all reason, staggering back into the spotlight for a vote, a Today Show hit, a shred of attention. Who here in the audience thinks they know all about New York's famously unstoppable freaks? Because it's time for a game we call, hey, I'm coming back from the dead over here. <laughs> Here's how it works. We're going to go around the horn. Raise your hand if you'd like John, Tommy, or Melissa to put you to a test. Fair warning, some of these are hard questions. Ari's out in the crowd. Raise your hand if you want to answer a question. Come on over. Hi, what's your name? Rachel. Rachel, John, kick us off. All right. In April, Rachel... Rudy Giuliani made his Masked Singer debut, dressed as a jack-in-the-box clown, singing what song? I refuse to watch Fox. That's incorrect. That is incorrect. And we don't want your life story. Wrong. That is incorrect. You could have found this information on Twitter. It was bad to the bone. It was bad to the Melissa, bone. Melissa, you're up. You get one more question. Let's see if you can redeem yourself. All right. Ready? Okay. In the twilight of his final term as mayor, Bill de Blasio used which food item to explain the concept of ranked choice voting to New Yorkers? Pizza toppings. Correct. <laughs> there nice it is. job. For a bonus there point. It is. For a bonus point, which pizza topping did de Blasio rank first? Olives. No, it was green peppers. Oh, oh, I thought it was I green olives. I know. It's like, come on, the guy loves being hated. All right, Ari, find somebody else. <laughs> Uh, Go to somebody else. Go to somebody else. One question. Else. Do our winners win anything? Oh, yeah. You won a Tommy John gift card. <laughs> Thank you, Ari. <laughs> Always. Find somebody. Swerve. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, what's your name? Eliza. Tommy, kick us off. All right. Emerging from exile after resigning as governor last fall, Andrew Cuomo spoke at God's Battalion Church in Brooklyn, where he blamed what for his downfall? You didn't answer. Wokeness. Uh, judges, judges, Ooh. we're giving it to you. It was cancel culture. <laughs> okay. Right, so close. <laughs> the correct answer was his own behavior, but cancel yes, culture. Yeah, cancel culture is what correct. we were looking for. John, give one more. Now you're next. We're doing a follow up. You're getting a follow up. Okay. Okay. Which former New York leader with a bright future screamed, "You are a jackass and you are a brainwashed asshole at a stranger." during a parade just last month. Uh, oh, you didn't say what? it loud enough. Uh, you didn't say anything. <laughs> I'm stumped. Um, it can't yeah. be Giuliani. They, yeah, but it, it, it can, can be. But you know what? No, give her the X. Because you didn't say it with confidence. <laughs> you said it can't be Giuliani. You should have gone with your gut. Ari, right, take the mic. That's not Find somebody else. Anymore. Find somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy John gift card for you. <laughs> Ari's gonna work out. Hi, what's your name? My name is, oh sorry, Tracy, and I'm wearing Tommy John underwear right now. Whoa! 
You can be getting yourself another pair in a few seconds. <laughs> Melissa, kick us off. What did Andrew Cuomo famously leave behind upon his departure from the governor's mansion? Oh, um... Dignity is the answer. Um, yeah, any sense of honesty or dignity. I, I think it was some kind of board game? Is that... No? No. Am I off base? <laughs> I'm sorry. It was his dignity, but also his dog, Captain. Uh, remember that? No, remember I'm that? Sorry. Maybe no. he got it eventually. Okay. We don't know. Okay. Dignity is good. Am I disqualified, or do I get a follow-up? Or? We'll give you one more. Okay, thank you. Tommy, you're up. Okay. Which New York politician recently published an essay in The Atlantic with the subhead, when it comes to being unpopular, I'm unfortunately somewhat of an expert. Was this de Blasio? Yeah, you got it. Oh you got God. it. Great job. Great work. You also get a gift card. Thank you. Thank you so much. Who's up next? Ari's moving. Ari's moving. Give it up for Ari, everybody. <laughs> Hi, what's your name? Hi, I'm Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Who's up? Oh, John, you're I'm up. up. I'm up. Uh, hi, Aaron. In, hi. A, in a now-deleted tweet, Rudy Giuliani, I, I always get the Giuliani questions, um, Rudy Giuliani posted a video of himself swinging back and forth on a golf course in enormous cocky shorts in order to promote what? Not the mass Singer. Wasn't the mass Singer. singer. Wasn't That's the right. mass Singer. Anybody here now? No, that no, wasn't Viagra. Viagra, but good, good, good I like good where your call. head's at. Good. It was his cameo. I heard it right, th I we heard, heard you. We heard a cameo, we you heard a cameo. It. I heard a Viagra and a cameo. Two great tastes that go great together. Uh, doesn't mean anything. I'm not the only one that didn't know. Aaron, <laughs> let's roll the clip. I'm Rudy Giuliani. If you want to have a really nice conversation, oh or my a birthday God. greeting, or just talk golf, go to the link below. Wow. <laughs> wow. I have never I seen that, that before. I it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. I, for those <laughs> listening at home, you Google it and watch it. You have to see it with your eyes. It's an extraordinary film. Is it's, it in, a, it's a deep text. It's inseam is infinity. It's so... Yeah. Wow. It's, you know, here's the thing. Rudy Giuliani dares to ask the fashion question, are these long shorts or short pants? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Aaron, you want a gift card. Let's go to somebody else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Hi, what's your name? Hi, Diane. Uh, Diane, uh, who's up next? Melissa, it's you're me. up. So, Diane, we're going to go back into the vault for this one, okay? <laughs> After resigning in 2008, Elliot Spitzer ran again in 2013 for what city position? I know, we forgot about him. Hint, it's really boring sounding. Department of... Oh, comptroller. You got it, you got it. Phone Good thing you added friend. sounding to that. Phone You're going to get a lot of shit. Sounding, sounding. Don't, don't yell at me. Can I ask a question to this audience? Do people pronounce it comptroller or are we supposed to say controller? Comptroller. You're supposed to say comp... That comp was clear. Comptroller. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure, though? All right, chill out. Follow up. Spe speaking of, which sleazy Republican operative who looks like the Joker when he wears flesh-colored makeup if the Joker's origin story was that the vat of chemicals was Adderall 
<laughs> sent a letter to the FBI alleging that Spitzer saw prostitutes <laughs> and had sex with calf-length socks on, an allegation that has actually never been true, though largely believed since. Boy, heavy on the Spitzer questions for me. Um, It was Roger Stone. You took too long. But you still get a gift card. Rampant cheating in the audience, by the way. <laughs> uh, let's find somebody else. How do I get up there? Too far. Wow. <laughs> Who's yelling? That's amazing. Well, Ari, don't leave. Ari, Ari, Ari's going up. Going? Oh, Ari's going up. Ari's uh, gone. Now wow. we're going to have to vamp while Ari's I was going to say throw it like a t-shirt cannon. I'm going cannon, up, I'm going up, I promise. Wait, where'd you go? Well, um, Ari left. So. Ari is heading upstairs. Um, Ari. This will edit down well. Has anybody had the Mexican there, pizza? Okay. There wow. they are. Ari. There they are. Way to go, Ari. Okay. Hi. Yes. Here we go. Hi, what's your name? Hi, my name is Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Tommy, take it away. Ryan, you're learning about how the Crooked team goes the extra mile. Uh, after spending more than $1 billion on his presidential bid in 2020, how many states did former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg win in the Super Tuesday primaries? That is a big fat zero. That's right. Correct. That's right. He won a total of 55 delegates in the Democratic contest in American Samoa, spending about $18 million per delegate. It's quite a deal. All right, uh, follow-up. In February, Andrew Cuomo began spending $369,000 to air a TV ad making what case to New Yorkers? That he's a decent human being with morals? It's <laughs> <laughs> a little sharper than that. <laughs> that he had been exonerated and taken... Yeah, it, that he had been exonerated and taken down by political attacks. Mm. But you're I mean, the exonerated, that's close. On, it's close. You know what? Let's, get, let's, let's give it. We're being generous. Let's, uh, let's give him the gift card and go to somebody else up there. Great job. You did it. <laughs> hi, what's your name? Mark. What is it? Mark. Mark, hi. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Melissa, I think you're up next. Okay, Mark. What percentage of Democratic voters backed Bill de Blasio for New York's 10th congressional district in a new WPIX Emerson College polling, The Hill Poll, that was released last week? Is it just one? <laughs> a little more. A little more. <laughs> Slightly more. Close. Uh, 10. A little it was, less. It was 6%. It was 6%. It was within the margin of error. Within the margin of error. It was within the margin of error. With 77% of very likely voters undecided. <laughs> so it's uh, still bad. Could be worse, I suppose. Uh, Follow-up for you. Who expressed doubts about Bill de Blasio's ill-fated presidential campaign, calling the plan not quite right? Uh, everyone on Earth. <laughs> Technically? Technically, well... <laughs> The correct person is in there. Uh, it, it was his wife. Uh, <laughs> Shirlane McRae. And Tommy, let's do the last one. All right. After a 2014 encounter with Bill de Blasio, blank died from internal injuries. The groundhog? Yeah. You You're you goddamn it. right. Thank you so much. And, and give it up for Ari for running around. But before we let you good people go... There's a person we'd like to wish a very happy birthday to. Please bring out the cake. 
And everybody, let's do it. Oh my God. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear John. He's so uncomfortable. This is so good. Do I blow? Big five up. There, for the cameras. Thank you, guys. Happy birthday, John. Happy birthday, this is, John. This is my 41st birthday party right here. Hey, he can't you all because for he's coming. keto. Uh, also, thank you to Letitia James. Thank you to Melissa Murray. Thank you to Will Westlake. Thank you, and a special thanks to MSG Entertainment and the Beacon Theater. And everyone, for my birthday present, please go to votesaveamerica.com and sign up right now. Thank you so much. Thank you, New York. Bye, everybody. Pod Save America is a Crooked Media production. The executive producer is Michael Martinez. Our senior producer is Andy Gardner-Bernstein. Our producer is Haley Muse, and Olivia Martinez is our associate producer. It's mixed and edited by Andrew Chadwick. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis sound engineer the show. Thanks to Tanya Sominator, Sandy Gerard, Hallie Kiefer, Ari Schwartz, Andy Taft, and Justine Howe for production support. And to our digital team, Elijah Cohn, Phoebe Bradford, Milo Kim, and Amelia Montooth. Our episodes are uploaded as videos at youtube.com slash crookedmedia. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware.